Hey, Samir. Hey, Nathan. Good to have you back. Thank you, man. It's good to have you. What have you been doing since April, I guess, since June? I feel like the question would be, what haven't I not been doing since April because of COVID? <laughs> no, I've been doing a lot of things. How are you, man? I'm very tired right now. I've been working at Canada Post for the last two months or so, two or three months. It's good to go through a job and not get fired after the first week. It's a very physically demanding job. I'm waking up at like six in the morning every day, going to work eight hours a day, five days a week, getting paid a lot of money to work at the job. I'm a very creative person, so it hasn't been driving me to be creative in any way, but it's, it's getting me to make a lot of money. It's getting me into shape, I guess you can say, and it's putting me in a challenging environment. And how long have you been had held this job for? So funny story, I first started working for Canada Post back in October 2018. And that was right before Canada Post called the strike and that reduced my hours. I wasn't able to work as much as I wanted to. And for the next year, I just wasn't really called in that much. And so towards the end of last year, I was already working at the water park. I had the option to get out of Canada Post. And I figured, you know what, I'll just take that option because I'm sticking with the water park for the next few years. I like this workplace. I want to be here for as long as possible. And then of course, three and a half weeks later, I got fired from the water park. So that was a really horrible choice in retrospect. And of course, you know, later on in the year, I kept searching for work. You and I were at Hope Mission. For me, it was a day. For you, it was a couple of days. I tried working at No Frills for like 10 days. I worked at Ikea for a day and then got fired after the first day of training. There was just a lot of searching and there was a bit of a temptation to go back to Canada Post, but I didn't know like if I was going to get accepted back. But now I am back and it's been good. It's been so much better than it was back in 2018 because everyone is uh, ordering online. And so there's a lot of packages that are being processed in the plant. And because there are a lot of packages that are being processed, that means they need to bring in more workers for more shifts. And so instead of working one day a week, like it was back in 2018, I'm now working five days a week. So what has, I guess, 2020 taught you? Because what I remember when we last, when we kind of, when I moved out, like you were in this transitional stage of job to job, discouragement after discouragement, COVID just hit. Like I'm now kind of seems like you're kind of in a more stable, you have a stable job, you're financially more stable. That's what it kind of comes off as. Like what has 2020 taught you? 2020 has taught me quite a few things. First of all, you can stick through the storm as long as you don't panic. You know, I think for a lot of people, everything that's been happening this year, I don't know if it's new to them, but it's not new for me. This whole idea of just going through tribulation after tribulation. It's been the song of my life for quite a while. 
And even going into 2020, getting fired from so many jobs, reaching a point of financial desperation where I didn't know how I was going to live life without declaring bankruptcy. I think as much as I felt scared and as much as I felt unsure about what was going on around me, the more I put myself in, I guess, dangerous or uncomfortable situations, the stronger I got and the more confident I got. And it came from a mindset of not panicking, of trying to keep a level head, trying to take all the craziness with as much humor as possible. Like there are people dying all the time, every day. And sometimes as much as it might seem callous to just laugh about every crazy thing that's happening in the world, sometimes it just you need to make fun of what's going on just to not go crazy yourself. And so I would say that's that's a big lesson I was able to take away from in 2020. I think it's very interesting. Like I've seen that growth in you because I feel like you're like almost spiraling into hopelessness before COVID came. And I feel like COVID for sure like enhanced that. But to see like now we're almost at the end of the year and you're like, you know, like spiraling into hopelessness and fear. I've seen even through your Facebook statements like, oh, this just happened to me. But, you know, I'm not going to sulk about it. I'm going to, like, do something about it. I'm, I'm actually going to... Like, I saw some of your comments on Facebook. I'm like, that's amazing. Like, that would not be you, like, maybe in the past. But now it's like you're having this, like, perseverance built in you, which is pretty cool to see from the outside. Yeah, it is. And, like, it's weird because, like, as much as COVID came in and destroyed everyone's lives, for me, my life was already destroyed. In a weird way, based on where we are, based on the circumstances that I found myself in, in a weird way, COVID actually saved my life. Like, why would you say that? I would say that it saved my life because before COVID hit, I was on the verge of bankruptcy. I was trying and failing to get welfare payments for employment insurance. I didn't really know what I was going to do after I ran out of money in the bank. Technically speaking, I had a job working as an education assistant, but it wasn't paying me enough to cover my bills. So it was more of a stopgap for me totally breaking down. But when COVID hit and I got laid off from my job as an education assistant and the government began offering welfare payments, I was able to take that, combine it with the fact that my living expenses are fairly low, and I was able to build up financial stability for the first time in my life. Like, I think I've saved upwards of $10,000 right now. But has COVID impacted you in other areas of your life? Because I know like financially, for sure COVID has helped some people. Yeah. And others it hasn't. But would you say COVID has enhanced your life in any, any other way? I would say so. It gave me the opportunity to reach out to some friends who I'd fallen out of favor with some time back and reconnect with them. I reconnected with my best friend from Ireland. Uh, we haven't spoken to each other for almost three years. And I was waiting for the time where I could just use my one shot to try and rebuild the bridge. And I knew that when COVID hit and the entire world was in panic, that was my one shot to just send him an email and say, hey, look, man, 
I don't know what's going on in your life. I can imagine that you're pretty scared. I'm a little scared myself, and I just want to make sure that you're okay. And from there, we were able to rebuild what we had lost. And now I can say for certain that he and I are very good friends again. And he's not the only relationship that I've managed to recover this year because of the circumstances surrounding COVID. There have been others as well. I would say that another positive development that happened as a result of COVID, maybe not specifically because of COVID, it was because of the George Floyd protests, but you know, the protests that happened in Edmonton earlier in June. Yeah. Yeah, I think you and I were both there. I reconnected with a good friend of mine who was there, and she recommended that uh, I come to the Summit Church. And because of her suggestion, I finally started attending the Summit. It's really good. The worship there is amazing. I really wish that I could have gone there before the pandemic hit. And I think going to that church has been an incredible experience because the people who are attending there, the people who are leading that church, they're not afraid. And because they're not afraid of what's going on in the world, that encourages me to not be afraid as well. And also everyone there is really into dancing when they worship. You know me, I'm a huge dance worship guy myself. That's amazing. Yeah, it, it, it felt like home. And one more thing, one more thing I want to go into for why COVID was a benefit for me this year. And it's weird to be saying all of this because for everyone else who might be listening to this, they might just be like, Nathan, what are you talking about? Like, I had to sit at home with my kids and they, they just would never leave me alone. I lost my job. I lost my great uncle or my grandfather with this disease. I had to deal with rioters and looters uh, destroying property outside of my house. There's like so many different horrible things that have gone wrong this year. And I don't want to discount that. But at the same time, amidst all the chaos, this has been a good year for me. It's been a better year for me than other years in the past. And what I want to say before asking you the same question is because of COVID, there were these online webinars that were being held quite frequently over the summer. And in, in participating in one of those webinars, I got to be connected with a community of artists on Discord, some of whom are really good friends of mine right now. Um, they're not Christian. Most of them aren't. And so there's, there's a lot of secular influence in that server. But it's been very interesting just interacting with people who aren't the same as me, as is the point of this podcast. I'm hoping to get some of them on, you know, just to talk to them, talk about their thoughts and opinions. And it's been a really big social challenge for me. It's led to some very uh, cringe-inducing moments of interaction between myself and them. But it's also led to quite a few amazing moments of human interaction where I could connect with people who didn't share the same views and opinions as me and still managed to find some kind of common ground with each other. That's really good. I think for me, like one thing I've learned about myself, like I don't tend to look to the past. I'm very much a future guy. I'm always looking to the future. And I think one thing for sure I need to do more of is just 
take time to observe the past so that I can better align myself for the future. But if I had to like look back and see what I learned from this year, uh, the first thing I learned is to focus. That's the Lord, the word that the Lord gave me. And I think it's very fitting in the midst of chaos, in the midst of COVID. It's like even the most certain people that were so certain about the future were shaken, you know, and it can easily be a distraction. So like I found that this year has taught me tremendously to focus on things that are important to create a routine, to to focus on your goals, to focus on what you need to get done, even if the world is like burning around you and if people are afraid and, and if you're struggling, like to just focus, that's one. But the second thing I learned in this year is that, you know, there's a passage in James that says, you know, don't say you're going to do this, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, but say if the Lord wills, I'll do this, I'll do that. And I think if you had any plan of what this year was going to be like, I bet you 98% of people that w- that had a, a plan for 2020 were for sure shaken. And for sure, we're like, we have to now for sure reevaluate, remove things. And for me, it was in the positive. Like I wasn't planning to go to Bethel. I wasn't planning to see my family anytime soon. And this COVID situation actually fast forwarded and like enhanced my life. So my plans were like, oh, okay, okay, I'll see my family in a couple of years. I'll go to Bethel in a couple of years. I'll just work and save. And, and COVID came around and just pretty much said, nope, they're going to come now. And nope, you're actually going to go to Bethel now. And it's like, it taught me that like, we all can have dreams. We all have plans. We all have goals, but like always put it in the Lord's hands and kind of you never know what the future can hold. And I don't, I don't say that in a negative way. I say that in a positive way. And I think it's taught me that God is truly in control. I think the last thing I've learned from this season is just how important community is. I've been taking a lot of time to just reflect on the scriptures and just like getting this chance to run the youth ministry and seeing how I would want to run my ministry. I just really took some time to look into the scriptures, how is ministry done in the early church, what was important to them. And one of the things I think modern day churches don't value enough is fellowship. And it's funny in a season where fellowship is so limited and restricted, the thing that the Lord shows me that we actually lack most in the church, even before COVID is fellowship. You know, you look at Acts 2.42, where it says they daily devote themselves to fellowship. They met up together every single day. You look at scripture where they daily ate together. They daily broke bread together. And you see this early church being such a strong community. And like the Lord's just been speaking to me like, man, you need to really value community the way that the first century church valued community. And I've been, that's been an interesting arrival in my thinking. And it's influencing the way that I run the youth ministry now. So it's really cool. And not only the way I run the ministry, but I'm actually at the church right now. And you could tell the walls painted white. And I'll show you the room after, but we've done a lot of work for to create a space to have fellowship with not only the youth, but with the main service. But yeah, community, the COVID has taught me the importance of community. So those are the three things I would say it has taught me. What has community looked like for you in, I guess, the last three months or so? I think how it has looked is I've spent a lot of time with faith. I've spent a lot of time with my family. I spent a lot of time with my youth. 
my youth leaders actually. I spent Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday with them. I was doing this mentorship class where I was spending time with them, doing Zoom calls and stuff. And now we're transitioning away from, like now we're doing the mentorship classes. Like that kind of model will now become in person. And we will be meeting at church Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's funny, like the government's restricting fellowship. I've like increased. This is funny because, you know, the government's saying, you know, try to lower it down and the Lord's like putting in my heart to actually increase it. Yeah. So it's, you know, what, what you do with that? It's just you obey the Lord. You don't fear men. You know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm like not following the restrictions or the guidelines. We are. We are following all the guidelines for hybrid. And I mean the government, but even on a regular, regular just year without COVID, I think it's abnormal to be meeting up with your youth group Friday, Saturday, Sunday, to eat together, to just play board games and video games and to just learn the word, to pray. Like, I just think it's so important more than I've ever thought of, about it before. You, uh, you mentioned that you were going to Bethel. What is doing community through there been looking like for you? Oh man, that Bethel community, like, is, they're different. You know, every community is different, but they're very much, they just value different things. And I think every church is different. I like, I love how you named Summit. I've been to Summit. I think they're really cool, unique. Obviously, every charismatic church has some similarities, but every church still has a distinct culture. So like Bethel, man, they really value such distinct thing, things in the body of Christ that like it makes their community very vulnerable, very encouraging, very, I don't want to say emotional, but they, they provoke so much emotion. So very, I don't know how to explain it, just very intimate, very vulnerable people, very loving people, encouraging people. So they've been a blessing just to be around them. And maybe that's why I've been so influenced to value community now because I've finished my first term with Bethel Uh, the second term starts around the new year so I've been having this space and time to think and so maybe they've done some of that kind of thinking but Bethel has been a blessing and anyone that's spoken bad about Bethel I think they need to really just spend time there and like you know no church is perfect but they're my brothers and sisters in Christ and they're a pretty incredible group of people. So have you experienced any say, dreams, visions, prophecies, miracles? That's a good question. Um, have I experienced, like, I've, I've experienced it outside of them. I don't think, maybe Bethel has influenced some ways of thinking. But I've experienced those things before Bethel, and I'm, I still experience them after Bethel. I prophesy, you know, stuff. But I've learned a lot from Bethel, more on their theology and their, their practice they have like healing rooms they have like they teach you how to prophesy they teach you it's pretty it's a it's a cool church it's um very holy spirit centered charismatic you know the, i'll tell you the truth what i learned from bethel is this they have a huge emphasis on knowing the father and they recommended this book called embracing the father's love or something like that and that book changed my life I read that book and it probably is 100% the most influential book I've ever read outside the Bible over my life. Just there's a line Bill Johnson says, Jesus came to reveal the Father. And what he means by that is when you look at Jesus, you're actually seeing the exact imprint of the invisible God. And 
takes you into this place to not just look at Jesus as someone to follow, but Jesus as a model of what God is like. And, and it, it gives you a lot of revelation. So I, I, that has blessed me like tremendously, just certain beliefs and doctrines they hold. And I'm just like, probably changed my life hands down. You mentioned before that you felt like God was leading you to Bethel so that he could reveal more to you about what his plans were for the kind of ministry you'd be doing. Have you experienced that kind of revelation yet? Or are you waiting until, I guess, a future term? I think I know. The Lord tends to sometimes put things in my heart that are deep, deep desires. And the Lord has really stirred me up to do certain things for the body of Christ and for the church. And I'm very excited. I have more clarity on where I'm going and what I want to do with ministry. I'm actually in this season right now trying to figure out how to do it and how it should be done accurately. I'm in a season of just studying on how to accomplish the ministry God has put in my heart to do. But right now, I'm just trying to be a faithful steward of the youth ministry that I'm running. I'm getting paid by the church to do it, and it's been a blessing. Do you want to go into more detail about the future ministry plans, or is it just something that you want to keep to yourself for now? I think keep it to myself for now. Just as maybe as I get close to that, I'll start revealing it. But I want to ask you regarding, because we're talking about ministry, like, has anything been happening with youth ministry? Like, are you thinking about going into full-time ministry? And if you're not, what is kind of the future plans for you, the Lord wills? For myself in ministry, I think this podcast is kind of my ministry. And for now, this is as far as I want to take it. How is it going, by the way? Right now, we're at over 550 total listens across 13 different countries. I, I took your advice on marketing the podcast on Instagram. And so every Tuesday or so, I put out a story saying, hey, I put out a new episode, go listen to it. And for some reason, it's doing pretty well down in the States. Like 45% of my audience is down in the States. Mm. And yeah, it's it's weird to be sharing my life and the people that I know with people who I know nothing about. It's scary. It's not something I really want to do. But at the same time, it's something that I feel like it has to be done. I have to put myself out of my comfort zone in that way. Congratulations. Man. Thanks. In terms of other ministry things going on in my life, I don't have any plans to go back to Bible college. I don't have any plans to go to Bethel. I imagine that it's probably the best school in the entire world. I've heard some really good things about it. And I'd like to go to a school like that, but also needs to get some proper certifications. And unfortunately, Bethel is not accredited. Uh, but what is your, are you going to still continue on your school for animation? So interesting story about that. Earlier this year, sometime in June, July, the animation server I was talking to you about. There is a guy on the server. He was living in Germany at the time. He was going through a transition period of his own. Initially, he was in university to become an engineer, and then he decided to switch things up and become an animator, but he needed to still finish his degree. And when I talked to him about where he was planning on going, he said that he was planning to go to this uh, film school in Germany called Die Film Academy Baden-Württemberg. 
And so I kind of thought to myself, hey, I've been studying German nonstop for like the last three years, and I have European Union citizenship, and I know that tuition in Germany is free for citizens, so I can do this. And I, I prayed to God and said, hey, God, is this whole Germany thing something I'm meant to do? And he said, yes. And so it's like, okay, I guess after I'm done living here in Edmonton, I'm moving to Germany. I already have a friend from the animation server who's there. I have my friend Martin, who I featured way back, I think in episode 10 of the podcast. And there's still a lot of questions of how I'm going to get to Germany, how I'm going to make the money that I need in order to live sustainably over there. Can you work there? I Good. can work there because I'm a citizen. I mean, I'm an EU citizen. And you can go to school. Yes, I can go there. I can work there. I can go to school there. And there's wow. nothing to worry about in terms of immigration. When would you want to go? Well, here's the funny part. If you want to go to the Film Academy Baden-Württemberg, then you need to have two things on hand. First of all, you need to have a post-secondary diploma, at the very least, and you need to have a year's worth of experience in the film industry. So for the first part, next year, I'm going to begin pursuing post-secondary education, trying to get a degree in business management in German, because I've come to see that the producers, the people who run film production are the people who get things done. Like there are the artists and the actors and the musicians, and all of them are necessary to creating a work of art. But without money to go in and pay for all of it, they're not going anywhere. You can have an amazing idea, but if you don't have the money to bring it to fruition, then it's just dead in the water. And so I want to get to the point where I'm in a position where I'm making money so that I can fund the projects that I want to see more of in this world. And I think that pursuing a degree in business management and German would help me to get that kind of foothold. It's going to be through an online university called openuniversity.edu. And then from there on, I don't really know what's going to happen, but I'm going to trust in God and hope that he provides for me. Well, are you getting the diploma or the degree? I'm going to start working on the diploma. And with any luck, I'll move on to the degree. And I think the cool thing about having a business diploma is it's one of those diplomas that like you can also use it to be an accountant, right? You can or some work at a bank and stuff like that in some form or way. So like it's very useful, especially with you. You're very much like a very tax oriented and like you like to work on the things in front of you and you like to know the task and you like to get it done. So I feel like it might help you also in other ways. Like so it's a cool thing to pursue. Going back to the full question of what else I want to do with ministry, I'm trying to get involved with the Summit Church. I've asked if I can volunteer with the sound and video team over there. So that might end up being a bit of ministry that I can do. Beyond that, I know that I should be pursuing more intimacy with God. It's just that I'm not making time for him. Mm -hmm. Totally honest about that right now. I'm not making that time for him. And it's because, you know, like you have other stuff that's in the way. Like I can say that there's other stuff in the way, like this podcast is in the way, my work is in the way, all these different books that I'm reading are in the way, trying to learn languages, that's in the way. 
But it's just putting them in order and in, in proper priority. Yeah, definitely. That's good, man. I'm so happy and proud of you. You seem like you're thriving. I think, yeah, it just seems you're doing really well. Also, one more thing I wanted to uh, mention. So shortly after the George Floyd protests happened, I got involved with this study group from Toronto. And from there, I was able to become good friends with the leader of that group, a guy by the name of Mark Wong. Found out that he was a former sex addict. And with his help and the help of two other guys who were part of that group, we were able to come together and form a sex addiction recovery group. And because I've been able to associate with them because I've been able to talk with the people who are there, talk with Mark, and just be vulnerable about what we're struggling with, what drives us, what motivates us. We've really been able to build a foundation for getting out of this mess that we found ourselves in. What has it done for you? Like, sometimes I don't articulate how I feel, but I know when I'm not struggling with porn for a while, there's a difference, you know what I mean? How has that been for you not struggling with one, like not being addicted to, or watching porn? What has it, its impact been on your life? I'm just very curious. So to answer your question, I would say that it's still been a struggle. There are days when I still feel the urge to go out and do inappropriate things. It is a struggle. I mean, more like the absence of that act in your life. How has that impacted you? You know what I mean? Like in a sense of like, for me, for example, I'm more motivated when I'm not struggling with it. That's something I've observed. I'm more motivated. Do you sense that too? I would say what's motivating me right now is that I'm farther ahead than most people in my group by a wide margin. And so for me, I want to be the best. <laughs> and I know that sounds stupid and childish, but it's also the truth. At least it's the truth, but I think it's not the best motivator. No, it's it's not the best long-term motivation. Eventually, I'm probably going to drift away from these people. Yeah, and I just wanted to, I don't mean like, what is your motivation by not watching it? I mean, like, what has its effects been on your life since the absence of it? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, if you get a time, it, just observe, like, just observe your life. I pray that you don't ever slip, but if you do, like, what is life like when I'm struggling with it? What is life like when I'm not struggling with it? The way that it's affecting me right now is that I'm not controlled by my feelings mm. as much. That's the same thing with me. Yeah. And so, like, beforehand, whenever I was faced with temptation, I didn't want to give in to temptation, but at the same time, I felt the need to go in and to get that sense of happiness and fulfillment that you get when you're looking at scantily clad women. And now it's like, I can look at another woman, even if she's in her underwear, and it's just like, I look, I think, oh, that's a pretty lady, and then I move on with my life. Interesting. Very interesting. Wow. Well, I think overall, I think this season for both of us has been really good. Yeah. What would you say to people whose season has been like completely terrible? Who might look um, at people like us and say, oh, you're just privileged. You didn't go through the same suffering that we did. What I would say, and honestly, what I would say to people that are going through a tough season is one, if you're a Christian, and maybe, I don't know if you're not a Christian, but if you're a Christian, the end goal, if you look at the final destination of all life, it's good. 
the final final. I'm not talking about the whole. If you look at life at its end, like if you push it all the way to the final end, Jesus conquers. The heavens and earth are restored. Things are going to be good eventually. You know what I mean? Eventually, everything will be good. But we also know in the present, everything is there to shape you, mold you, teach you, grow you. And if you always look at it like that, like suffering, I don't like as suffering like it's a punishment. I like as suffering as a teaching instrument. I'm going to learn something. I'm going to grow as an individual. Like look at life, not like as fearful, insecure, and like pissed off. But look at life like I'm going to learn something. I'm going to grow today. This is actually an opportunity for me to learn how to save my money. This is an opportunity for me to learn how to actually connect with old friends. This is an opportunity for me to learn how to persevere in even though I'm being rejected over and over again by work. Like it's an opportunity for me to learn and it's an opportunity for me to grow. And if you look at life like that, there's no reason for you to be hopeless and depressed. But if you always look at life with a lens of I'm screwed, I'm hopeless, there's no hope for me, then that will become your reality. But if you can change your perspective on how you pursue life, how you move in life, then things will be better and always gets better eventually. I would say that's debatable because looking on into 2021, I think the next year is going to be worse than this one. At the same time, though, I also think that it's going to be a good year for me. And it might be a good year for you. It might be a good year for some of the listeners. Because like, I still see opportunity. I still see something good happening in the chaos. And I think that even if the world is completely going downhill, there are things that I still cling on to and hope for. And I know that I'm not going to be disappointed in that hope because what I'm hoping for is the presence of Jesus. And, and I think that's, that's why I predicated my whole point on if you're a Christian, because I think if you're not a Christian, that's a whole different conversation. But if you're a Christian, you look at the final trumpet, you look at the end of life, you win. You look at the present, you win, because the Bible says all things work together for the good of those who love him. That means that's a present verse that doesn't apply to you at the end of your life. So does that mean it's the absence of suffering, the absence of trials, absence of... No, look at China. Like Chinese people been through the most toughest persecution for the Christian faith have been but also at the same time the most happiest people which is a paradox in our culture because you know the absence of suffering might mean the presence of happiness but we're actually we live in a culture where suffering is probably most limited and reduced but we're the most also depressed and suicidal so it's like I think there's something about Suffering for the good, suffering for the noble, suffering for something better that actually brings about joy. And I think, and we see that with like example, human examples of when a mom gives birth to a baby, you know, she's going through so much pain, but the final destination, the birthing a baby brings her the most joy. And it's like, I think there's a principle there where even if life gets worse in 2021, I think there can be joy hidden in between the gaps of 2021. And I think it's us changing our perspective, enduring for a noble cause, doing something in the midst of suffering. Because, you know, they, okay, this is my last point about happiness. People that seek pleasure tend to be the most unhappy people. People that seek meaning in life tend to be the most satisfied and joyful people. So if you actually seek pleasure only, you tend to be more depressed and lonely and unhappy. 
if you seek fulfillment and meaning in every season of your life, you tend to be more happy. So it's about changing your perspective. You know, it's it's the weirdest thing. It's a it's a we have to change how we see life. So. So what are you looking forward to in 2021? Just to keep building this, like I really find a lot of fulfillment in serving my family, serving my girlfriend, serving this youth group that I'm serving at. And I found so much fulfillment. And the funny thing, and it's not easy, it's suffering, it's toy, it, it, it hurts sometimes when you're, you just want to like quit. But I'm at the same time, I have like this overwhelming joy doing it. And it's, like that analogy about birthing a baby is the same thing with this and so i want to keep doing that i, I want to keep developing this ministry and it's brought me a lot of happiness it's brought made me very joyful and satisfied so i want to keep doing that and lastly i want to have more clarity on how to execute on the ministry god has put in my heart for 2021 and start making some decision towards that so those are like a few things that are in my what I'm looking forward to in 2020. I can care less if the government tries to force vaccines on us or not. Like I do care, but what I'm saying is I think my goals are not really contingent to the circumstances that surround them. So it might hinder them, it might affect them, but I try to at least plan in God's grace and God's will what I can control, you know. But what are you what are you looking forward to in 2021? As you said, if the Lord wills, because there's a lot of things that I'd like to do next year that are dependent on things going exactly according to plan. Next March, I plan on flying over to Toronto so that I can meet up with my friends from the study group, maybe even a few relatives who live over in the city. And of course, that's going to be dependent on whatever restrictions Toronto has during that time. In late May, early June, I plan on taking a road trip through British Columbia, trying to meet up with as many friends and family members as I can who live in that province. Once again, how successful I'll be will depend on the kind of restrictions that are within the province. And the third thing that I plan on doing is going to the Send in Kansas City, Missouri. I might go there with uh, Faith families because her dad said he might, he'll buy us tickets. I hope to see you there too. If we do both go, we should keep in touch with each other. I'm at the point where I would just, I would go no matter what. Even if there was no vaccine, even if society there was crumbling, I would want to go because the experience that I had in going to the Send down in Florida Back in 2019, it was amazing. It was a very difficult and trying time in my life, but at the same time, it was totally worth it because I got to experience the presence of God in a way that I hadn't before. I want to experience it too. I'm so excited. Every time you talk about it, my mouth waters. You want to go to a place where everyone there is a prophet in training and everyone there is praying for you and loving you. Yeah. And it's basically heaven. Yeah. Us too. Yes. It'd be incredible. And of course, as I've mentioned before, I'm planning on doing post-secondary work online. I hope to continue working for Canada Post for as long as possible. I hope to get called in on a consistent basis for as long as possible, make as much money as possible so that I can fund the rest of my education. But beyond that, like I don't really know what's going to happen. There are certainly things that I want to have happen. 
I'd like to have a girlfriend. I'd like to meet up with some family members who I haven't seen for years because they're over living in Europe. But at this point, I don't know what the future holds. And I think that in, in some ways, it allows me to keep an open mind for whatever happens. Like even as much as I want to go to all these different places and take these different courses, even if none of the trips happen, even if something goes wrong with my post-secondary education, I still have God. And I know that like this year has been a growing year for me in terms of my character. And if next year in some way continues to cause me to grow, even if I don't leave Edmonton, even if I don't have anything good happen to me next year or like anything new, I can still be content and I can still be satisfied. A lot of people have used this season to like really move forward in life in some in their goals and stuff. So it's been good. I feel like maybe a good way to end this maybe is to pray for one another. I feel like that'd be a really good way to end it. I would. Okay, I'll go and then you can close. Uh, Father, I just want to thank you for our brother here and the work he's doing with the podcast, the work that he's doing in his life, the work that you're doing in him. Father, we give you the glory. You're the one behind this all and you're the one behind the scenes. And um, I just thank you for his life, his giftings and his, his creativity and the job and everything you're doing in his life. It just seems like you're doing well. And Lord, I just pray that you keep doing more in his life. You keep him pure from pornography and masturbation. Keep him close to you. Help him to be intimate with you. Help him with his school and to help him get his diploma and without him going into debt and just keep doing what he's doing in his life father and um, i pray with the next time we speak it's not if we can return to church or if it's years from now or six months from now I just pray that he keeps going on this trajectory of just progression just growing and learning and renewing his mind in many ways dear god thank you for samir thank you that throughout this year that he's been able to develop a sense of focus that he isn't doing really stupid things just going off and that he isn't saying I'm going to do this and then a month later completely changes his tracks he can focus on something else it's good when you are forced to stay at home and you can't go anywhere and you have to focus on one thing God, thank you for COVID thank you for all of the restrictions that have been placed upon us thank you that you've taken so much distraction out of our lives and even with the distraction that remains, all the stuff that's on the internet, Netflix, Amazon Prime, YouTube, Instagram, God, thank you that we can still use those things as tools, tools to learn, tools to grow. Thank you for the technology that we have. Thank you that this pandemic didn't happen in the 90s because if it did happen back then, then we would probably have been screwed. Thank you that your will is at work and that even amidst all the chaos and destruction and death and everything that's been going wrong this year, that you have been guiding us, you've been showing us the way, you've been strengthening us and you put people in our lives who've helped us to become the people that we need to be. I pray that you would bless Samir in the future with his ministry, whatever that entails. I pray that you would bless his relationship with his girlfriend. I pray that the two would get married and have kids. 
and that Samir would grow up to be a really good father. I pray that he'd be able to do well in helping out his children with their schoolwork. I thank you that you gave him the opportunity to go to Bethel and to reconnect with his family. And as much as it was a painful experience, I thank you that even though we had to separate, like Paul and Silas, John, Mark, and Barnabas, we're still following your will. We're, we're pushing forward and creating new ground. We're covering twice as much ground as before. Amen. Thank you, man. I really enjoyed actually this podcast a lot. That's good. See you guys. Good talking to you, man. This has been Because We're Not the Same, a podcast hosted, produced, and edited by Nathan Raymond Ray and co-hosted by Samir McConan. To listen to more episodes, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Verbal, iHeartRadio, or Podbean. You can also visit our Facebook page or our website, bwntscast.wordpress.com. If you're interested in coming on the show as a guest, feel free to reach out to us, and we'll see about having you on. Thank you for listening.